So I'm preaching from Isaiah 40 today. I really want to encourage you uh, to follow along and, and keep the Bible open. I'll be following it fairly closely in my talk and my sermon. In your pew Bible, it's Isaiah 40. In every Bible, it's Isaiah 40. In the pew Bible, it's on page 715. <laughs> concentrate, concentrate. 715, that's the pew Bible. Uh, but I'm looking at Isaiah 40, verses 21 and following. And again, if you want to leave it open, and I'll kind of reference it back and forth in my talk. It's a great passage. So Isaiah 40, 21 to the end. Uh, you'll notice I'll make a few word changes, one really important that I'll talk very directly to. Please listen for the word of God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the very beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded that God sits enthroned above the circle of the earth? And its people are like grasshoppers. God stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. God brings princes to naught and reduces rulers of this world to nothing. Scarcely they are they planted, scarcely are they sown. No sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither. And a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the stars, the starry host, one by one, calls them each by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. So why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is discarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who wait, those who wait on the Lord, will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks for your word, and we ask that your spirit give our hearts discernment so that we can understand what you speak to us and give glory to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 27. Remember in uh, Hebrew poetry, which is what Isaiah is writing in, it's not rhymed and it's not metered, but it's parallel. So first, the one verse uh, further explains the other. Why do you say, O Jacob, Jacob is Israel, remember Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Jacob's name was changed to Israel, so he's speaking to the nation. Why do you say, O Jacob, and why do you speak, O Israel, same meaning, that my way is hidden, that I am forgotten, that I am discarded, that I am trapped, that I am uncared for, that I am lost? I have to illustrate that, or can we all kind of relate to that? That feeling of being discarded, trapped, 
uncared for, unloved, unwanted. That's where, that's where Israel is. Because Israel here is in captivity in Babylon. And Israel is thinking that she's forgotten. That God doesn't care anymore. That she's discarded like so much refuse. Israel has that feeling. And so Isaiah is speaking to a people that are feeling discarded, unwanted, unloved, uncared for. And so he begins by saying in, in verse 21, don't you know, have you not heard? Do you not remember? Has it not been told to you? And the answer to that rhetorical question, of course, is yes, they understand, they know the old stories. Because even if Israel is trapped, feeling discarded in Babylon, the stories, the old, old stories, the choir sang so beautifully, they're still being told how it is that Israel passed through the divided, the split sea, and how when Israel was enslaved in Egypt, God didn't forget then, and he still doesn't forget. Have you not been told? Don't you know? Don't you remember? And Israel, of course, remembers that. But on an experiential level, she's not really believing it. And so like a a movie director. Isaiah takes the camera and he, he pulls it back so that we can see the broad scene, like a, the opening of a western, you know, when it's the great plains, the sweep, and you get the whole panoramic view. So Isaiah pulls the, 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 the uh, camera back so you get this great scene, this sweeping view of what God is about. And it's as if Isaiah is saying, listen, come on outside. We, it's nighttime and I want you to come outside and and we're in the middle of this circle that's the earth. That's what he says in verse 22. The, the circle, like a great disc, like when you're standing on a plane and you're looking around, it kind of looks like the world is a disc. And over top is the great canopy, the, the tent. And Isaiah is saying, look up there, look at the stars, all those starry hills. Have you looked at them before? Have you looked at those stars? Has God forgotten, illustratively, Isaiah is saying, has God forgotten to put one of those stars up there? Does he forget? Look at Orion's belt. Is there only two stars tonight, or are there still three? Did God forget? Did God miss something? Every night, aren't the stars in the same location? God didn't forget to place them in the canopy. Why do you think that God is forgetting you? Have you not been told? Have you not heard? Have you not understood that God cares, that God remembers, that God's ways are unsearchable? God doesn't forget. And so Isaiah takes that camera and he, he pulls it out, but then he zooms it in so that we can see more specifically on what's going on. And so he says in verse 23, let's look at the arrogant princes. Let's look at the, the boastful leaders, the ones who are oppressing, the ones who are making us feel discarded, the ones who are making us trapped. Let's look at them. With whom shall I compare these arrogant rulers, these boastful princes? Verse 24. I know, says Isaiah, weeds. Scarcely are they planted. Scarcely do they take root. Scarcely do they come up. And, and the heat of the day comes, and a strong wind, and they're dust. They're just blown away. Have you forgotten that? Have you forget? Have you not been told? Do you think God forgets? Do you think God, 
Do you not know that you are God's precious treasure? That you are God's chosen people? That you are God's dearly loved? Have you not been told that? And so Isaiah wants the people to remember that God doesn't forget these things. And what are the people to do? Verse 31. Our task, says Isaiah, is to wait. Now, if you've been following along in, the, in our translation in the NIV, and the Pew Bibles, the word there is that the NIV translates is the word hope. That we are to, that God gives power to those who hope in the Lord. We had a little Bible study last, last week, and we talked about uh, word translations and such. One of the things the NIV likes to do is, uh, unfortunately, is to take relatively concrete words and translate them into relatively abstract words. Now, there's nothing wrong with the word hope. In fact, we are to, it's one of the great gifts. But hope is a kind of passive attitude. Waiting is an activity. It's an action verb. And if you will, sometimes it takes hard work in order to wait. Now, let, let's think about this for a minute. Because those who wait upon the Lord, they will receive new strength. They rise up in wings as they view. For those who wait, what does waiting mean? Well, let's talk about what waiting does not mean. Waiting is not laziness. Laziness is just doing nothing. You know, like if you want to learn the Bible, you put the Bible under your pillow, and maybe it'll just, not going to happen, right? That's just lazy. You've got to do the work. You've got to sit down open the Bible. So waiting is not laziness, nor is waiting rest. Now, rest is important. You understand that's so important that God put it in the Ten Commandments. Good old number four, we're to take Sabbath. If you don't rest, you will break. Period. Not going to illustrate that. Right? So it's important, but that's not waiting. So what is waiting? Well, let me not define it, but let me describe it. This is an illustration of waiting. Right now, I'm talking literally, right this minute, there are two football teams waiting in two locker rooms. They are well prepared. They are well coached. They're ready to go. And they're waiting. And I want to suggest the coach's job right now is to keep them from punching the wall, from running out. Just wait. Wait. Because you cannot force the time. You cannot make it 630. 630's coming. Just wait. Because the Lord's time will come in his own time. Just wait. And to those who wait upon the Lord, the Lord will give you strength. Now, how is it that we're supposed to wait? In a practical way, how is it that we do this waiting for the Lord's time to unfold? Well, let me suggest there's two aspects to waiting. The one is what we are to do in terms of waiting, and the other is what God will do in our waiting. So what is it that we are to do, what activity are we to do in this waiting so that the Lord can bring about his promise? All these are P words because I prepared this when I was on a treadmill. <laughs> you have to do something when you're doing this. <sighs> what is it we do when we're waiting? placement. Remember that where you are might not be where you want to be. Israel did not want to be in Babylon, in captivity. Israel did not want to be in Egypt, in slavery. Placement. Remember 
that where you are for the moment is where God wants you to be. And God has a purpose for you where you are. You are in that place for a purpose. Don't forget that. God knows where you are. Placement. What are we to do? Know that God has placed us there on purpose. Second, perseverance. There's a way in which we persevere in place. Will you forgive me for another bad illustration? Because I prepared this on a treadmill. <laughs> on a treadmill, you work for an hour and you never get to the wall that's in front of you. <laughs> but something is gained. Persevering in place. Something is gained even if you don't feel like you're moving. What are we to do? Placement, perseverance, and praise. That even if it feels like we're discarded, even if it feels like we're trapped, unloved, uncared for, we praise God. Because the one activity that will open our hearts up more than any other activity to the presence of the Lord is praise. That's why they call it in the Bible the sacrifice of praise. We praise even when we don't feel like it because it opens our hearts up more widely than any other activity. So how do we wait? Practical application, how do we wait for God's plan to unfold? Placement, perseverance, praise, and what does God promise to do for us in this waiting? Presence. God promises to be present with us even if we're feeling discarded, unloved, trapped. In fact, I want to suggest that is the meaning of the cross. That God who is everywhere present is most present in that paradoxical way. God is everywhere present, is most present to those who are feeling discarded, unloved, unwanted, crucified. God most present. God is present always. God's power, the second P, what God promises, God is present. God gives power to the weary, verse 29, I will give power to the weary. In fact, I want to suggest the very heart of St. Paul's theology is right there. For when I am weak, then I am made strong. For God says, my power is made perfect through weakness. That God will give power to those who are vulnerable, to those who feel discarded, trapped, and such. God is present, God will give his power, and God gives purpose. Not only purpose in the present, wherever we are, but the ultimate purpose so that we can leave this trapped condition, that we can leave this attitude of being discarded, and, and we can go home. And so God promises that if we wait, God will work in our lives. And what is the promise? What is the fulfillment of the promise? At the end of this verse, God will raise us up on wings as of eagles, and we will run and not grow weary, and we will walk and not grow faint. And so at the beginning of that, we will rise up on wings as of eagles. It's as when God divided the Red Sea and the people rose up and, and went through the divided sea. When the children of Israel were in captivity and God released them and they rose up and they came back. When Jesus was in the grave for three days and then he rose up, and lived forever. That's why we're going to sing an Easter hymn at the end of this service. Because it's the core of what we believe. That God will raise us up for those who wait, even as Jesus had to wait for three days. We will raise up on wings as of eagles. And then there's that initial excitement, like when, 
when the football teams come out of the locker room, you know, they run, because and they, they will not grow weary. But then after you're on this journey for a while, we will walk, and we will not grow faint, because the presence of the Almighty God remains with us. The promise is certain. He shall not leave. And so what is our task? What are we asked to do? We are asked, despite how we feel, discarded, trapped, unloved, uncared for, to open our hearts, to open our souls, to open our spirits, to become ever more vulnerable to the inpouring of God's Holy Spirit so that we will find strength not in ourselves alone, but in the presence of God who is most certainly with. Lord, sometimes we do feel discarded and trapped and unloved and uncared for, but not by you. You love us and hold us and care for us and tend to us and never, ever forsake us. So what can we say except thank you and our hearts are open to you? Through the power of Jesus, amen.